welcome each one in the name of our Saviour who will be able to join with us for our online gospel service from Lottenderry Free Presbyterian Church. We welcome each one in the name of our Saviour. We'd like to begin our service by turning in our Bibles to the Psalm 93 and we'd like to read the Psalm with you. Psalm 93. This is a psalm which speaks to us of the majesty and power of God. Let us begin with verse 1. The Lord reigneth, he is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed with strength, wherewith he hath girded himself. The world also is established, that it cannot be removed. Thy throne is established of old, thou art from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. Floods have lifted up their voice, the floods lift up their waves. The Lord in high is mightier than the noise of many waters, yea, than the mighty waves of the sea. Thy testimonies are very sure. Holiness becometh thine house, O Lord, for ever. Amen. Let us pray. <clears throat> Father in heaven, we thank the Lord that we are found in your presence. We thank thee that there is that open door that leads before thy throne of grace. And O Lord, we are reminded in this psalm that we have been reading, Lord, of your sovereignty and of your power, of your majesty. And truly, Lord, thou art worthy of all glory and of all honour and of all praise. And Lord, we pray that you would ever help us to Acknowledge thy goodness and thy mercy that thou hast shown towards us. But Lord, not only art thou the creator of the heavens and the earth, but Lord, also that you have created us, and Lord, that you have sustained us in this world. And Lord, you have been pleased to redeem us into thy kingdom. And O Lord, we rejoice tonight in all that thou hast been pleased to do for us. And O Lord, we do pray that thou would be pleased to Presence thyself with us as we seek to come and to meet around thy word. We thank thee for each one and for each family that is gathered, uh, Lord, in your presence this evening. And we look to thee that thou will be pleased to undertake as we, uh, Lord, uh, look to your word and as we consider the healing of this man, Aeneas, and as we consider thy way of salvation. And so, Heavenly Father, we acknowledge our great need of thee and uh, Lord we think especially of the need of those who are out of Christ. We pray that thou will be pleased to take the scales from off their eyes and to open their understanding that they too would come and to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Saviour. So Lord we just commit all to thee this evening and Lord I just know the need that there is in each family and in the congregations and Lord I just need, know the need that there is in each life. And we pray that thou would draw near and meet each one at the point of their need. And so, Heavenly Father, we pray that you'll continue with us now and that you will be pleased to grant the help of thy Holy Spirit. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We are glad that we are able to, to join with you today in the services from Latin and Derry Free Presbyterian Church. We thank you for the invitation and to share with you, and we do pray that the Lord would be pleased to bless. And uh, we 
continue to appreciate your prayers for us and for the Lord's work in the land of Kenya. And uh, like here in Northern Ireland, there is the problem with the COVID virus and uh, it is uh, causing difficulties at this present time. And uh, we need the Lord to, to undertake and we know that the Lord's people, the churches in Kenya, uh, would appreciate your prayers for them uh, at this time. And uh, we just look to the Lord and to lead and to guide and to bless in these difficult and challenging times. This evening we'd like to turn in the scriptures uh, to the book of Acts and to the chapter 9. The book of Acts and the chapter 9 and uh, we'd like to read just um, a few verses, um, just uh, actually four verses from the verse 32 to the verse 35. And this portion of scripture relates to us the healing of Aeneas and we would like to look at this portion of scripture this evening. Acts chapter 9 um, verse 32. <clears throat> and it came to pass as Peter passed throughout all quarters that he came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydda. Now whenever Peter here is talking about passing through all quarters he is referring to the fact that he's been passing through the different regions, the region of Judea uh, the region of, uh, of Galilee, the region of, of Samaria. And then we read that he, he came down also. He came down also to the saints that dwelt at Lydda. What had he been doing in the other places? Um, he had, I believe, been visiting the newly established churches. He had been uh, ordaining elders. He had been overseeing congregations. He had been seeking to strengthen them and to encourage them. And as he had been doing that in the other congregations, now he had come down uh, to Lydda to the saints that dwelt there. Uh, John Wesley, in his commentary on this verse, he says that Lydda, that it was a large plea, a large town, which was one day's journey uh, west of Jerusalem. And uh, the town stood in the plain or the valley of Sharon, and it was an area that was noted uh, for its fruitfulness. Now we read of Sharon, we think of uh, the Song of Solomon in chapter 2, I think it is the verse 1 that we read about the rose of Sharon. And uh, we read in the book of Isaiah about the flocks that were in the plain of Sharon. So this is a fruitful uh, a fruitful place and it abounded uh, with uh, abundance of, of, uh, of good things. And so we read here also that <clears throat> Peter came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydda. Why did Peter say? come down to the saints that were at Lydda. The area of Judea that was divided into three parts. There was a hill country that was around Jerusalem. And then there was the plains that included the town of Lydda. And then there was the valleys. And so whenever Peter was travelling from Jerusalem to Lydda, he was travelling from the hill country down to the plains. And so therefore the reference to going down. Verse 33. And there he found a certain man named Aeneas, which had kept his bed eight years, and was sick of the palsy. And Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. Arise, and make thy bed. And he arose immediately. And all that dwelt at Lydda and uh, Sharon saw him, and turned to 
and then may the Lord be pleased to follow this blessing this reading from his precious word just let us uh, come again to the Lord and uh, let us uh, let us just commit the remainder of our service to the Lord in prayer let us pray Father in heaven as we continue in your presence we acknowledge O Lord that thou art our strength and Lord that thou art our salvation and Heavenly Father as we meet together in your presence uh, we are very conscious Lord indeed of our own frailty and Lord of our own lives and, and Lord that are like a vapour that appeareth for a little time and then vanishes away we're like the grass of the field that groweth up for a little time and then is cut down and so Lord as we I think Lord even of the, the bravery of life and Lord, we do pray that you'd help us, Lord, indeed, to have our priorities right. And we know, Lord, that the greatest priority that we need to have is the well-being of our soul. And so, Heavenly Father, we pray that you'd undertake for us as we seek, Lord, indeed, to present, Lord, the way of salvation. And as we consider this portion in particular, we pray that you'd be pleased to grant the help of that Holy Spirit. For we ask it in Jesus' name. greatest and the most important message in all the world is the message of God's salvation. And this is a message that it needs to be pressed home and to each and every heart. And this is a message that, that we need uh, to embrace. And this is not just something that we can, I believe, put off to another time or to another, time, another place. We know that sometimes people do that. Whenever they think of God's salvation, they think, well, this is something I'll consider maybe next year. Something I'll consider whenever I'm older. But the difficulty is that we can never be sure of tomorrow. We do not know if the Lord will give us another opportunity to come to Christ. D.L. Moody, <clears throat> one night in the city of Chicago, um, he urged the people to, uh, to think about uh, what he was preaching on and, uh, and uh, to consider God's way of salvation and to go away and to think about it and to come back next week and make a decision. But that night in the city uh, of Chicago there was a fire, a great fire that broke out and as a result of that fire there were many of those to whom D.L. Moody had preached uh, that Sunday evening there were many of those people and they lost their lives. They did not have other opportunity. And so Del Moody, <clears throat> he deeply regretted sending the congregation away and to think about the matter of God's salvation for little did he realise that that night was their last opportunity. And if you're not saved or if you're a backslider, then I believe that you need to give earnest consideration to the matter of your soul and to your standing with the Lord. The wise man in the book of Proverbs, in Proverbs 12, chapter 27 and verse 1, he says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, <clears throat> for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. We don't know what a day may bring forth. Yes, we may plan what we'll do tomorrow. We may plan what we'll do next month. We may plan what we're going to do during the year. But we need to write all uh, things in pencil, because we uh, do not know what the Lord has in store for us and how that in a moment of time we could enter into the great eternity. 
But I want to speak to you <clears throat> about God's plan of salvation. And I pray that if you're not saved, that you will come to trust in the uh, Redeemer uh, uh, that we have in Christ. Because he is the only one who can save us from our sin. I pray you'll come to trust in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the reality is that we have a sin sick soul. And it is only the Lord Jesus Christ who is able to make us whole. And I pray that you'll come to realise that you have the great, a great need. And that you have a great need of a great physician. If we're not well, then it's good that we consult with a doctor. But in these days, um, if you need to make an appointment with a doctor, you, you may have to wait uh, a number of weeks. And sometimes difficult to get such an appointment. And if you are to make a, a private appointment, then you may need uh, a quite a wee bit of money uh, not, uh, to make such an appointment. And then if there's medicine or an operation required, you need, uh, uh, you need so much more uh, money. But that is all necessary if you have a physical complaint. You need to consult the doctor. You need to seek uh, to get uh, some medical uh, advice on the matter. But here, whenever Peter came down to, to Lydda, he found a certain man named Aeneas. And this man, he was not a great and a mighty man, but rather he was a poor man. He was a, a man who was paralyzed. He was confined to bed. He had been there for some eight years. And this man had, had given up <clears throat> all hope of ever being well again. And those who knew him and those who were around him, they also had given up hope. His condition was without hope. But then, by the grace and the mercy of the Lord, uh, uh, Peter was used as an instrument in God's hand to bring a good message to him. And so, we have what is recorded for us here in Acts chapter 9. And we read in the verse 34, And Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. Arise and make thy bed. <clears throat> and he arose immediately. Aeneas believed the message he believed that the Lord Jesus Christ had healed him and he immediately uh, began uh, and, uh, to make his bed. He immediately arose and made his bed. And in an instant, in an instant of time, he was made anew in Christ. I would like for us just to consider four things about the healing of Aeneas. I'd like for us first of all to consider uh, the patient and then for us to consider the physician. And then thirdly, the change that took place in his life, and then fourthly, the witness of his healing. Now, first of all, the patient. The patient. And we know that he was a patient because he had a problem, he had a health problem, and uh, the problem with Aeneas itself was that he had this problem, this disease of the palsy, and that was uh, a paralysis. And as such, Aeneas could not do anything for himself. He could not walk. He couldn't change his clothes, he couldn't look after or himself, he couldn't provide uh, for himself and uh, he had been bedridden for a period of some eight years. And today there, there would have been some medical help for such a person and uh, there would have been uh, care from the, the social services but in these days, in those days, there was no such help and so he was left and left as it were without, without hope. He was hopeless, he was helpless as far as man was concerned. And this was a genuine illness, 
sometimes we come across people and they present a, a big story to us, but um, their illness is not genuine. But this man, his illness was genuine. He was not an imposter putting on a show, but rather he was someone who was really not well. And he had this disease of the palsy. His friends had observed him, they knew his trouble. And during those eight years, he had not been able to get out of bed by himself. He had not been able to do anything for himself. And the people knew that. This man was genuine. This man, his case was helpless. It was hopeless. He was helpless. And uh, uh, there was nothing that others could do for him. And truly, we can say that this man, he was without strength. And this reminds us <clears throat> of the position of the sinner. Because this is the position with those who are out of Christ. And is reminded in the word of God that the sinner is without strength. We're reminded by the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 5 and verse 6. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. We were without strength. That is a picture of us in our sin. Because sin uh, paralyzes us. Sin, uh, uh, sin destroys us. Sin makes us useless. We have to say that sin... It's a terrible thing before God. We know that the world looks lightly upon sin. We think little of it. In these days, government are legalizing different aspects to sin. Uh, TV programs may glamorize it. But this does not change the fact that sin is a breaking of the law of God. And that sin will bring down the judgment of God upon us. And he has his hopeless condition. <clears throat> is further uh, demonstrated for us here because... No man had any cure for this condition. There was no man who was able to help. And so it is with the sinner. There's no man can help. There's no man can deal with this issue and this matter of sin. The Apostle Paul describes the sinner here and not only as one who is without strength, he's also someone who is without hope. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12, it is recorded that at that time, and ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of the promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. Those who are without God are without hope. And we thank the Lord tonight that, that there is one who is able to help. There is one who can give hope. There is still a balm in Gilead. The need was great, but there was a great God. This need was great, but we thank the Lord that there was a great cure, a great physician who was able to provide a remedy. And uh, it's good for us to remember that the Lord Jesus, this is the reason why the Lord Jesus Christ came into the world. The Lord Jesus Christ didn't come into the world to save the righteous, rather he came to save sinners. And to save uh, those who are real sinners and who knew uh, that they were sinners. In Mark chapter 2 and verse 17, we read, When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They that behold have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And so it is. It is only those who realize their need, those who know that they are, uh, that they need, that they are sinners. Uh, it is only those that can come to Christ and be redeemed. He has his illness here. It was not an imagination. It was something which was very real 
He could not move his hands. He could not move his feet. He could not move his legs. He could do nothing for himself. It was real. And so too it is with the matter of sin and the sinner. Sin is something which is very real. And he has had no strength. But we know that that was not a hindrance to him being healed. And it is not a, a hindrance to the sinner in being healed from the disease of, of sin. There are many, and I, that sometimes imagine that because of their sin that they cannot be saved. But there is no one who is so deep down in sin but that they can be redeemed into the kingdom of heaven. And we have an example of that with the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was such a man. Before he was saved, you, you would have been the least, the man that was the least expected to be saved. But the Lord saved him. The Lord intervened in his life and the Lord redeemed him. This man here uh, had a disease for some eight years. And as the years progressed, it seemed less and less likely that he could ever be cured. And he just could not heal himself. There was no human physician who could do, uh, could do anything for him. Uh, he was as a, as a picture of the sinner who was dead in trespasses and sin. And yet, uh, the Lord, by his grace and mercy, was pleased to intervene in his life and to provide a cure for the palsy. He came to know about the great physician. And that is a, a, a precious thing, a coming to know about someone who is able to save. And I pray that you too, that not only, will, uh, not only have you heard about the Lord Jesus Christ, but I pray also <clears throat> that you have come to know that here is someone who can redeem you. Here is someone who can deliver you from your sin. Here is someone who is able to, to pardon you uh, from your, your sin. Because out of Christ we are, with those who are paralyzed, uh, uh, we are spiritually paralyzed, we have no standing before God, we are condemned uh, before God. And this man, he was, had this problem for eight years. For eight years he was bedridden. But this disease that we have of our sin is a disease that we have had from our birth. We're reminded of that in Psalm 51 and verse 5. It's recorded that of the psalmist, he says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. This man, and uh, we know that it's true of all sinners, we're born in sin, we have original sin, we have actual sin, we're sinners, we're condemned in the presence, in the presence of God. But the starting point here is uh, for uh, us to realise that we are sinners. Because if we do not realise that we are sick, we'll never seek the physician. And if we do not realise that we're sinners, we will never seek the remedy that is provided for us by the Lord Jesus Christ. A sinner is, uh, is sick and diseased with sin. And we need to realise that we need a saviour. Mr Whitfield, George Whitfield, who was a great preacher of a bygone day, he used to say that he could preach all day and all night to those who knew that they needed Christ. That is, makes, that is what made the difference. And that's what makes the difference to a preacher. Why? Uh, how good it is to be able to preach to those who realize that they need Christ. Because we can simply present to them the way that leads to the cross. And the way uh, that leads to the forgiveness of their sin. The minister can preach, <clears throat> but it will not accomplish anything. Unless the person to whom he is addressing has a desire in his heart to know the Lord Jesus Christ as a Savior, to know the forgiveness of his sins.
and we also recognize that uh, that desire uh, that desire will not come unless there is first of all the working of the Holy Spirit in the heart and in the life and if the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart the Holy Spirit is convicting you of your sin don't quench the working of the Holy Spirit the Lord is reminds us in, in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 3 that my spirit shall not always strive with man but I pray that if the Holy Spirit is striving with you that you'll not quench his working in your heart and the conviction of sin that there is but rather that you will seek to come to Christ reminded in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God I pray that you will consider what the Lord is saying to you and I pray that if you're out of Christ that you will have a hearing ear and an attentive heart to the scriptures. Aeneas was sick. <clears throat> he knew that he was sick. He knew that his disease was incurable. He lamented that he could do nothing. But here we know that he longed to be healed by the power of God. And I pray that you would realise that as a sinner, that you too, and that you know that you are, have the disease of sin, that you need to be cleansed from your sin, that you need to be made a new creature in Christ. But then secondly, we have the physician. The physician. As Peter saw this man in and observed his condition, he declared in the verse 34, And Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. Arise and make thy bed. And he arose immediately. The power for this man's healing it was not with Peter, but rather it was with the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter, here he did not claim to be the head of the, of the church. He did not claim that he was able to bring about the healing of this man. No, but rather he sought to point this man to Christ. He sought to, uh, to, to focus upon Christ. And the power for this man's healing, it did not come from Peter. It came from the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we are to be healed from our sin, we too must look to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we are to do that, there are some things that we need to realise and to know about the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Lord Jesus Christ is the only Redeemer. There is no other way of salvation. As reminded in the shorter catechism, in question 21, which the question is asked, Who is the Redeemer of God's elect? And the answer is given that the only Redeemer of God's elect is the Lord Jesus Christ, who being the eternal Son of God, became man and so was and continues to be God and man in two distinct natures in one person forever. The Lord Jesus Christ is the only Redeemer. He was obedient to the will of the Father in providing redemption for his people. As sinners, we cannot do anything to merit God's salvation. All of our righteousness and all of the good things that we may try to do in God's sight are as but as filthy as filthy rags. We have no righteousness of our own because we have broken God's law. And if we were to get to heaven by keeping God's law, we need to keep it perfectly, which is an impossibility. We cannot do it. As reminded in James chapter 2 and verse 10, that whosoever keepeth the whole law and yet offendeth in one point is guilty. Know that the Lord Jesus Christ, He is the one who has perfectly kept the law of God for us. And then also we are to remember that <clears throat> the atonement has been made for our sins. 
the Lord Jesus Christ, whenever he was on the cross, he declared it is finished. The way has been completed. Salvation has been completed. The way of salvation is complete. And uh, atonement has been made for our sin. And God's holiness and justice demands punishment for sin. And if this punishment was to fall upon us, then we would suffer for all eternity in the lake of fire. We would endure God's wrath forever and forever. But we thank the Lord that there is a way that our, the punishment for our sin can place not upon us, but it is placed upon Christ upon the cross. He was our surety. He was the, our substitute. And whenever we think about the work that he completed on the cross, think of the crown of thorns that was placed, placed upon his head. Think about how the, the Roman soldiers uh, uh, drew the whip across his back and left his back like a plowed, uh, uh, like a plowed field. Think of how that they took the nails and they thrust them through his hands and his feet and nailed him to the cross. Think of how they took the spear and they pierced his side and the blood and the water flowed mingled down. But there in the cross, he declared it as finished. The work was complete. He died the just for the unjust. He died so that he might bring us to God. And then when he died, they placed him in the tomb. But the Lord Jesus Christ is not in the tomb. He is risen. He is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven, even making intercession for us this time. And tonight we rejoice in the work that the Lord has that the Lord has done for us, because that work makes possible the forgiveness of our sins. The Bible says in Matthew chapter twenty six and verse twenty eight, "For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many, for the remission of sins." And then in Acts chapter ten and verse forty three, we read. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive the remission of sins. This is what the work of the cross is all about. This is what the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ into the world was all about. Providing a way of salvation for the sinner. And he has believed in the Lord Jesus Christ from what he had heard. He simply trusted in the word of God. that He was redeemed into the kingdom of heaven. The Lord Jesus Christ was the one who did the healing. This man was healed not in his own power, not by Peter's power, but by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is also true of God's salvation. God's salvation is not of man, it is all of the Lord. Salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is of the Lord from the beginning to end. And he has had no power to heal himself. And the sinner has no power to save himself. Or to heal this man came from the Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ was the only answer to the need that Aeneas has. There was no one else who could help him. And the Lord Jesus Christ is the only answer to the problem of sin in our life. There's no other answer. <clears throat> no other person can help us but Christ. And so here uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, his work was completed on the cross at Calvary. But it's also good to remind ourselves that the Lord is not upon the cross. He's not in the tomb. He is risen again, seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And so the only remedy and the only effective way to deal with our sin is to come to Christ. To accept the atoning work of Christ. To accept the merit of the precious blood of Christ on our behalf. The Lord 
He redeemed Aeneas. And he also can redeem you. He has redeemed many into his kingdom. And we know that the blood of Christ and the work of Christ is sufficient to redeem all who will be gathered one day in the kingdom of heaven. And we have the invitation of the Lord. He says, Him that cometh unto me, <clears throat> I will in no wise cast out. This man, he did not need it to make any preparation to come. This man, he did not have to wait to another day to come. No, he was invited to come immediately. He was invited to come just as he was. And so tonight and today, whatever your sin, the Lord is able to cure it. He's able to redeem you. Maybe you go through the commandments and you list them one by one. <clears throat> and whether they be little sins or big sins, whether they be the sin of pride or of covetousness or of unbelief or of telling of lies or whatever the nature of the sin might be, the Lord is able to redeem. He's able to forgive you your sin. And the Lord is able and willing to cure it. Reminded in Isaiah chapter 1, in verse 18, Come now unto me, and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Maybe you see your sin as a, a great army that is pursuing you. It's threatening to destroy you. It's threatening to, uh, to, uh, 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 to pull you down and to, and to destroy you in many aspects of your life. It seems as if it's going to swallow you up and destroy you. But the Lord Jesus Christ is able to give you the victory. Remember how it was whenever the children of Israel were being pursued by the army of Pharaoh. Remember how that the Lord destroyed that army in the midst of the Red Sea. Miriam sang unto the Lord, sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. And there in the midst of the sea they were covered, they were destroyed. And that is a picture of what the Lord Jesus Christ is able to do with our sins. He is able to cover our sins underneath his precious blood. And that's the only place where our sin can be taken away. That's the only place that our sin can be covered. And we know that whenever the Lord covers our sins, he remembers them no more. The Lord has promised in Micah chapter 7 and verse 19, And thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. The Lord not only pardons our sins, not only covers our sins, but he delivers us also from the power of sin. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25 Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. The Lord does not save us in our sin, he saves us from our sin. The Lord Jesus Christ does not forgive the past and then uh, leave us to go on and, and continue in our sin. No, the Lord makes us new creatures in Christ and he delivers us from our sin. The Lord saves us from the uh, the habit and the power of sin. He gives to us a new nature. See, before we are saved, we're in love with our sin. But whenever we come to Christ, we come to hate our sin. And the Lord is able to take that sin, uh, which is like uh, 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 attached to us like chains, and he, the Lord is able to, to break those chains and to snap the fetters and to set the 
prisoner free. The Lord is able. But then thirdly, let us notice the change that there was in this man's life. The change that had taken place in this man's life, it was a proof that he had been healed. It was a proof that he had been healed physically and spiritually. And whenever the Lord does the work <clears throat> in our lives, there will be the evidence that the Lord has done that work. It will not be a secret work. There will be no doubt about the fact that the work has been done. Man might be seek to pretend that uh, uh, many things, uh, but the Lord uh, is no pretender. Man may uh, give uh, certain impressions that things have happened in his life, and it may be all be just a fraud, but the Lord, uh, his work, there will be an evidence that it is genuine. There will be proof that it will be plain uh, that there's been a change that has taken place in the life. He was a man, and for some eight years he'd been confined to bed, but now uh, he, was, uh, he was well again. And uh, immediately uh, there was a result, uh, the result of this was that <clears throat> he was able to arise from his bed and he was made well again. Excuse me. Whenever he arose from his bed, Peter did not have to explain to the people that a miracle had taken place because they knew that a miracle had taken place. They saw Aeneas walking around. They saw the, the evidence that a great miracle had taken place. That is also true whenever we come to Christ. Our lives will be changed. Whenever a person gets saved, that will be obvious in our walk. It will be, it will be obvious in every aspect of our lives will be different. We'll have new desires. We'll seek to do new things. We'll seek to be in new places. For a person who says they're saved and there's no change in their life, then we have every reason to doubt the reality of their conversion. Whenever the Lord does the work, <clears throat> there will be a change. Before we are saved, we, uh, we love our sin. But whenever we're, uh, whenever we're saved, we will come to hate our sin. Just like the sheep and the pig. Pig loves to wallow in the mire. The sheep does not. It likes to be clean. And whenever a sheep is confronted with muck, it seeks to do all that it can to escape and to get out of it. That's a picture of our new nature in Christ. The Lord makes us new creatures in Christ. And we know that whenever the Lord saves us, he places upon us responsibility. And that responsibility is to live for him and to witness for him. The Lord works <clears throat> and he always works according to his word. Peter said, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. He said to Aeneas, Arise and make thy bed. And so the blessing, he had the blessing of uh, being healed. And immediately following, there was the duty. Arise. The cure was followed by a command. A work had been done, but this was followed by responsibility. And whenever God does something for you, then do not be surprised that the Lord asks you to do something for Him. But remember the great work that the Lord Jesus Christ has done for you. And anything that the Lord asks you to do for Him is but little in comparison to the great work that He has wrought for you. We are redeemed. <clears throat> Not with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. There's no other way of salvation. 
Oh, gold, silver and gold might be precious, but it's not as precious as the precious blood of Christ. Because it's only the precious blood of Christ that can redeem us. All of the silver and gold in the vaults, all the vaults in this world cannot redeem a single soul. But the blood of Christ can. And I pray that we'll always uh, look to the blood. And we'll always be ready and willing to obey what the Lord has to say to us in his word. God healed Aeneas. And now this man is simply asked, Arise and make thy bed. It would have been terrible and it would also have been a shameful thing if the Lord had done all of this for this man and he refused to obey. If he had turned his back upon Christ and said, I'm not going to do what you want me to do. But no, this man did as the Lord had commanded. And so too, as we read God's word, <clears throat> the Lord reminds us that if you love me, keep my commandments. And whenever we have been made new creatures in Christ, we will seek to be faithful to the Lord and all that he sets before us to do. And uh, we will be faithful in everything. You know sometimes people imagine. They just need to be faithful in the big things. But we need to be faithful in the little things. We do not need to do the little things right. The Lord Jesus Christ reminds us of this. In Luke chapter 16 and verse 10. <clears throat> and he reminds us. He that is faithful in that which is least. Is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust. In the least, it's unjust also in much. This man had never been able to make his bed in eight years. But now that the Lord has healed him, and now that he has the strength to do so, the Lord asked him that he would now do it for himself. And I hope that uh, boys and girls who are here, uh, to whom the Lord has given health and strength, that, that, that you also will make your beds, and that not always be mommy and daddy has to make your bed, but that you will be able to, uh, to make it for yourself and whenever you're saved uh, you will have that new walk there will be a, a difference in your walk there will be a difference in your talk uh, there will be a difference in your ways uh, people will know that you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ you will be more and more conformed to the image of the Saviour the Lord Jesus Christ whenever he saves there will be a change in your life but then fourthly <clears throat> Let us consider the witness of Aeneas' healing. It is a great and wonderful thing that this man was healed. But it is an even greater wonder whenever we see and realise what this led to. Because through Aeneas coming to Christ, many others also came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Saviour. And uh, we read in verse 35, and we believe that <clears throat> those who come, that they were from the area around, and that could have been a large area, maybe 30 miles, uh, a great distance. Acts 9 and verse 35, And all that dwelt at Lydda and Charnon saw him and turned to the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? All that saw him, all that saw him, turned to the Lord. In the providence of God, the healing of Aeneas and the witness that ensued, it was part of God's plan to bring many into the kingdom. Many into the kingdom. It's been often the case that when one is saved that the Lord has used that person to bring many others to Christ. We think of C.H. Spurgeon, a man, a layman, preaching a, service, a sermon that's quoted a verse in a church service. Not many people. 
and telling and exhorting C.H. Spurgeon to look to Christ. He did that. And why would it work? C.H. Spurgeon has done in preaching the gospel. Many it's a time that has been the case. You think of Andrew, how he witnessed and saw Peter come to Christ. I think of Philip, how he witnessed to Nathaniel and Nathaniel came to Christ. Through Aeneas' witness, many were brought on to the sound of the gospel. Many saw and many believed. And let us also remember that that can be so of us. The Lord is able to use us uh, and our witness to the extension of his kingdom. And so let us look to the Lord and let us uh, this night endeavour afresh not only to, uh, uh, to point others to the Saviour but to be that witness and to seek to make known uh, the unsearchable riches of Christ. Maybe sometimes we go through events in life and we wonder why. I'm sure that was the case with Aeneas. He wondered uh, why did he suffer so much? Why did he have this paralysis for those so many years? But then whenever the Lord healed him and the Lord used that to, to speak to many and draw many into the kingdom, the purpose was plain for all to see. And so it is. We may go through situations and circumstances in our lives and we may not understand but it is all part of God's perfect plan. And let us commit all things to the Lord. He is the potter and we are the clay. Let us ever seek for opportunities to serve the Lord, whether it be in the midst of health or in the midst of sickness. The great physician, now is near, is sympathizing Jesus. His name dispels my guilt and fears. No other name but Jesus, the precious name of Jesus. We come to a conclusion to our service this evening. I close with the words of the hymn. We're not able to sing our hymns in these days like we would like to do. But as we come to a close, I just remind you of the hymn. It was based on the words <clears throat> that were spoken by Apostle Paul to King Agrippa. And rather the reply that Agrippa gave to the message that Paul proclaimed. And Agrippa, he said, after he heard it all, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. But I pray that you'll not be almost persuaded, but rather I pray that you'll be fully persuaded. Almost persuaded now to believe. Almost persuaded Christ to receive. Seems now some soul to say, Go Spirit, go thy way. Some more convenient day on thee I'll call. Almost persuaded, come, come today. Almost persuaded, turn not away. Jesus invites you here. Angels are lingering near. Prayers arise from hearts so dear. O wanderer, come. Almost persuaded, harvest is past. Almost persuaded, doom comes at last. Almost cannot avail. Almost is but to fail. Sad, sad, the bitter wail. Almost, but lost. Let us bow in prayer. <coughs> Father in heaven, we do thank the Lord for all who listening in to the program today and O Lord as we have sought the best that we can to present the way of salvation O Lord we pray that by your Holy Spirit that you will reveal the way to those who are friends who are out of Christ we thank you Lord that you worked upon Aeneas that you healed him you brought him through for the kingdom we thank you Lord for all those who saw and they too believed and Lord we pray that Lord all who uh, Lord, listen to this message this evening that they too 
that each one will come to know thee, how to know this life eternal. And so, Lord, we thank thee that there is a way of salvation. And, Lord, we pray that thou will be pleased, Lord, to draw many savingly into thy kingdom. Continue with us now, and we pray that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit will continue with us both now and forevermore.